Okay, we are talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Eventually, we're going to actually get to them. Uh, one more sermon after this week, and then we'll start in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, thankfulness, self-control. But we're getting in, getting around it. Um, if you've been around, you know that. We were, we, last week, we talked about our births and birthdays. I want to go back to that this week, especially with our passage here about being born, being born again, which is a metaphor. So I want you to be thinking about other things that get born, like the city of Columbia, where we are sitting now, and this guy named James Rouse, right? He had this idea in the 60s, and he worked on it and assembled the land, and, and it didn't just grow up naturally, haphazardly. It was planned in really a different plan than normal with these decentralized neighborhoods that had town centers and then the middle part and all that stuff. I don't know what you think of how great it's going, but this was his baby, his idea. Back in OKC, we we purchased an old building that was built in 1920, and that's old for Oklahoma. Not old around here, but you remember, Oklahoma didn't become a state until... 1907, and it wasn't settled by white people until 1890. And, and so our church building is, is one of the oldest buildings, and we would imagine what was it like when it got built, when that neighborhood was laid out. There was another neighborhood that, that got built while we were there. Maybe five years ago it started called the Wheeler District. And I know the, the planner who did it, the Humphreys family, and, and I was friends with one of the, the, the main son of this guy who used to be the governor. And they, they were trying to do their plan. Now, 100 years later, what should a neighborhood look like, and how should the streets be designed, and how should the houses go, and and what levels of housing. And they even sort of amazingly bought the Ferris wheel that had been on the end of the Santa Monica Pier in California. It had been in storage for decades, and they purchased it for a million dollars, set it up, and you can ride on that exact Ferris wheel in Oklahoma City, which is sort of crazy. But that was a centerpiece. Things like that. What do we want to have? Who do we want to move here? What's it going to be like? I mentioned that we went on the ghost tour over in Fells Point, and our tour guide said these Fells brothers purchased the land in the early 1700s, and it was a swamp. But they picked that spot because there's a steep drop-off where the ships could come right in, and then they built up around there in the swamps until it is what it is today. We could think of <clears throat> the idea behind Under Armour, building that company up, and how that's blessed Baltimore and the area. Or my friend Micah Andrews wanted to build a restaurant nearby where I lived, and so he had the vision for what it would be like, the way the taps would look, the, the, the menu, and I helped carry in refrigerators and put stuff up so this could be born and bless bless the city. I won't go on too far, but you can watch 
and build buildings and lay bricks with a pattern where the idea then you can see it built over time or, or think of a book. Uh, there's a woman in uh, at Chapelgate, her name's Laura, and she's writing a book she just delivered to me, her first draft. She, it's about being single, never, never having been married, and how she adopted a daughter in her late 30s, and how that's, needless to say, changed her life, and not what she'd expected. And, and so this thing that was in her brain is coming out into the world through effort and time. So our text here, very famous, John 3.16. I've got a funny story about this. Uh, I worked for the seminary for a while right after I graduated, and we threw this event in Tampa. General Assembly was in Tampa, so we flew down there, and uh, we held our event for really anyone who wanted to come at the aquarium, so connected, and we... Uh, had a woman who was going to be the tank diver and feed the fish, and then she was going to hold up a sign, and then she was going to come out and talk about it. And she held up the sign, John 3.16, while she was in the tank. And then she came out, and she told us why that verse matters to her. Because she was watching a baseball game years before, and someone behind home plate held up John 3.16. That happens a lot, Right? Well, she just happened to blurt out, like, why do people do that? No one knows what it means. And then she got told what it meant. She had never heard of John 3.16. That seems amazing, uh, but super cool. And then she became a Christian because someone took the time at a party, at a baseball game, because every time I see someone do this, I'm like, dude, come on. But it worked. John 3.16, Jason read this for us. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This means a prominent person in the community, uh, a scholar, very respected, a prominent leader. And, And Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. We don't know why he he came to him. By night, he, he searches them out. Uh, it's not a chance encounter. Maybe he's nervous. He doesn't want people to see him stumbling over his words because he has a reputation to uphold. Or maybe he's afraid. Or maybe he's afraid to be harassed. Because already Jesus had a reputation at least baffling people. But he respects Jesus, he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. That's more than most people like this will say. This is mostly what the vulnerable, the, the oppressed, the marginalized say, things like this to Jesus. Respected leaders don't often talk to Jesus this way. I, I know who you are, Jesus. I'm interested in you. I'd like to hear more. It's dark. No one can see us. Maybe that's for my benefit. Maybe that's your benefit. Let's have an open and honest conversation. Jesus starts answering him with truly, truly. This is 
Jesus' big authoritative teaching signal. Uh, This sets him apart. He's not saying what normally rabbis would say, and Jesus does say this sometimes, you have heard that it was said. So normally rabbis are teaching down what other people have passed on to them. Jesus does do that, but then he says, and I say to you, that's not normally what rabbis do. And then when he says, truly, truly, he's taking that prophet role on himself. You know, Nicodemus didn't really ask him a question, but Jesus says this, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Um, Nicodemus probably like, what? Where are, we, where are we going with this? But as startled as he might have been with that answer to this statement, he takes it literally, which is natural. And he says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, I'm not going to go too much into that. That is something you don't want to think about too long, right? But for sure, Nicodemus is tracking, like, what are you saying, Jesus? That's impossible. So Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. We talked about this in uh, our Sunday school, adult Sunday school last week, that Jesus isn't like Paul. And we need both, right? So I'm not saying Jesus is... Better, well, Jesus is better than Paul, right? But we have Paul. We don't discount Paul. But when Jesus gets asked questions about salvation, this is the way he talks. Mysteriously, metaphorically, getting around it sideways, telling parables. Eugene Peterson has a book called Tell It Slant. Like he's... Uh, getting around your prepared propositional defenses. It's not illogical, but he's not giving you a, a, a sentence to exactly agree with. You have to be born by the water. You have to be born by the Spirit. The Spirit, that word is pneuma. P-N-E-U-M-A, like pneumatic, wind, air. That's why he says, the wind blows where it wishes. The, the pneuma, you have to be born by the pneuma. And the pneuma blows where it wishes. It's mysterious. It's powerful. It was around the 1930s that they suspected there was something called the jet stream. 
made more sense of the way weather worked, but they had never touched it. You, you had to build a plane way bigger than what they'd ever built before to get up that high, and they started doing it when they started bombing Japan. When they built those B-whatevers, somebody in the B-20s, B-29, uh, and they were like way bigger and way more ambitious than anyone. No one thought they could do it, and they had to do it fast because it was. They started them when the war started, and and they were realizing at that point that these big aircraft carriers or the big tankers weren't good. They needed aircraft carriers, so they build these real fast. They get them all the way over to close to Japan, then they could start going on these massive trips, and they would have to go up really high. And you know, we bombed Japan like crazy. They were trying to figure out the most effective way to bomb these cities. And so they would go out into the, the desert in America and build cities, Japanese cities, and then bomb them to figure out what makes the most damage. Crazy stuff. And so they would, they would go out, and they'd never been up that high, and they would come back and miss every single target. And the... The commanders would go like, what are you guys doing? And they, were, they would come back and say, how can this be? Because if they were going against the jet stream, they would come up and they would just like hover because they were going this fast and the jet stream was way more powerful than anyone knew and they, they couldn't exactly measure it. And so they would just be like sitting ducks up there, dropping bombs, and they would just go this way. But if they went with the jet stream, they would way past their targets. It was very ineffective, and they tried and tried and tried and tried because they didn't know how it worked. Then they figured out how to do it and all that stuff, right? So when Jesus says this, you don't understand this thing I'm talking about. The wind goes where it wants. The spirit moves where it wishes. Nicodemus says, the leader, how can this be? He doesn't understand. Jesus answers. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, then how can you believe in heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. That was amazing then when Nicodemus heard it. It's amazing now when we hear it. The Son of Man, Jesus' favorite term for himself, it comes from Daniel. It's, it's messianic. By far, Jesus claims that for himself, and he says in one sentence the Christmas story. The Son of Man has to come from heaven and descend into the earth as a person born of a virgin, born in a stable, descending down and to live among us, to come out of a womb with flesh and blood, 
to live and walk among us. That's Christmas, right? And it's an Easter sermon. The next sentence, he says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must also the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, this is from Numbers. And there's a story in Numbers where, where there are all these snakes around, and, and Moses lifts up a serpent on a pole, a symbol of something. And if you look at that symbol, you live. Now, we don't exactly fully understand how that works. But symbols have power, and God works through symbols, and then he works through his work, and he does miracles to lift up the saving power. And Jesus is saying, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, right? The resurrection has to come from the ground, from the death, from what is among us in in the chaos and destruction lifted up as a sign of His power because He came to save. Amen? Romans 8, 1 says, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation because the One who came was killed and took that condemnation, right? He took the judgment. The One who came, who created the light of the world, became and and descended into the darkness, not only of this darkness and the pain and the misery and the suffering, but even further into into the tomb. And the Apostles' Creed says, into hell. He descended into hell. Came to save, to take our judgment, take our condemnation, to take our, our darkness, and to give us love. So um, then we read, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. that? Romans 8 language, we're putting Paul and and Jesus together, right? Paul talks about this stuff. That God sent His Son in love. He gave His Son so that we would not perish but have eternal life. Thinking about being born. um, Thinking about who we are. talked about that quite a bit last week. Um, and, And maybe you like hearing your birth narrative and kids like to hear how that went down generally um, maybe you adults have, haven't asked your parents in a while to give you a little extra insight but maybe it makes more sense to you when you have kids of your own the way you were but think about all of you I can tell you were born I see it and you were all there at your birth, right? But you don't remember it. That's the way it works, of course. Um, just imagine, though, if when you were born, uh, they, they brought you to your, to your mom and, and, and to your dad or to whoever, and, and, and your mom and your dad, first thing they said, okay, listen, baby, 
There's a lot you need to know. Uh, here in a bit, I'm going to teach you how to read. 2 plus 2 is 4. We're going to like add on to that. Um, sleeping is important. You're going to have to watch your cholesterol. And i got to tell you, you know, baby, there's going to be some stuff that happens. It's not all going to be good. It's going to be good. And so you just like lecture the baby. All the stuff that lies ahead. And even there's, um, you know, there's Bible stuff to tell the baby. Baby, there's through the Spirit. You're going to have to do these things. There's the Ten Commandments. You can't murder anyone, I'm telling you. Can't lie. Can't covet. That's a tough one. There are lists. Um, you know, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly. All these things for the baby to do. That's not what we do with babies. All that lies ahead. What we do with the, a baby, it's just precious for being it. So we often, belaboring this point, it's going to be all the way through, right? We often think that who we are is what we do. And that, and that the Bible puts that stuff on us almost like apps on our phone that we, that we can use or that, that help us get through the day. I need to know whether to take an umbrella. Okay, yes, no. Or the traffic is bad. So we're downloading these apps to, to, to make it through life. And that's somewhat true, right? But that's not you. The, the you-ness of that is not you. Another way to think about it is this way. If we start with you and we start taking things away... How much do we got to get away before you're no longer you anymore? Um, Julie doesn't like it, but I like to watch my 600-pound life. Don't tell anyone. I don't watch it that often, but it's fascinating to see a person become a third of them. So, but, but we know... You're not your weight. You're not your weight, but it, it can be life-transforming, right? Because they couldn't move around. Is that you? Your color of your hair? Color of your skin? What's essential to you? Your, your job? What if you make a complete career change? Your marital status? I don't really like it when um, people say, I can't live without you. Uh, not, not exactly true. There's a, there's a song that I cannot stand. It's a little bluesy song, and the woman sings, I'd rather be blind than see her with you. Come on. You'd rather be blind? I mean, I get but that's too far. Is it your health? What makes you you? Jesus is talking about this analogy then of, 
of you are born of the spirits, and I make you. Even Jason Bourne, the Bourne identity, who wakes up and is like, who am I? And he has to figure it out, but it's not because he's not him. He just doesn't know who he is. By the way, Jason Bourne is from Nixa, Missouri. I don't know if you knew that. Types it in on one of his screens one time. Was he trying to figure out who he is? And so, so who you are mysteriously in life, and we, we know how this works. I mean, we can have a science class on it, right? But still, it's a creation that has never been created before. And it's still a miracle every time it happens. It can happen a million times a day. It's still a miracle because it's never happened this way before. And that means there are people that come together and life is incubated until it receives breath, blood, bones, DNA that then you build on. Change. Have pluses and have minuses. Have triumphs. Have heartaches. Um, but, but those things aren't still exactly you. They, they come together as part of you. And so, so I'm, this whole point of all this, as we get to these things to do, right, is to remember, ah, who you are can be loving, but that's not. You are born out of love. The love of the Father. I was talking about watching uh, brick layers in uh, Oklahoma City across the coffee shop where I worked. They were building a new building. They put up this concrete. Instead of laying brick, you know what they did? They put up plastic strips that looked like brick and almost like wallpaper. They had a little more, you know, thickness to it and they had uh, indentations. And they really look like brick. Now, I don't know if that's smart or dumb. I don't know. I, I would think it's cheaper, right? And it, it, you couldn't tell until the brick started stripping off, like wallpaper stripping off. I was like, ah, that's not really brick if you can do that. There's another place down on the way to Texas. It's called the Windstar Casino. And, and each section of the building looks like, a, you know, a the Eiffel Tower, or from China, different cultures. And he goes all the way around. It's massive, massive, massive. But it's all just scaffolding with screens hung up. It's not really the real thing. What I'm getting at is what's inside. It's inside you. Are you born of the Spirit or are you acting born of the Spirit? Is it scaffolding that looks like Christian? Or is the the inside born again? We're, We're all created in the image of God and then we get filled by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enters in creates, recreates. We're born of faith and water 
and the Spirit. And you may not know the date of your conversion. Or you may not. It's going to be interesting when we get to heaven. It's like, God, when did that happen? It's not the same as a birthday. Now, some people it is. It's, it's a very dramatic switch, like Paul. The road to Damascus, boosh. Other people, it's a slide of understanding and learning and trust and change. Maybe more like falling in love. When was that day that you decided this is the right person? Maybe you remember. We're still broken. We're still marred. We're still sinful. But we're alive. We're loved and forgiven and assured. And so, you know, going back to the Christmas, we sing, Hark the Herod Angels Sing. And in that hymn, we say, Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. That's what Jesus came for. To raise us, to give us second birth. What does it take to start a new person? Marriage. Pro team. Movie. Family. There's a lot of uh, creative effort and, and work that goes into it. And in this text, Jesus is saying, you know, you could be the Bible answer man. I'm not exactly saying that's wrong. You could be the perfect attendance pin person. You can be a humble person. Person in super self-control. Very self-controlled. That's not born again. Get born again out of love. New creations are miracles of life. The first time when we're born and when we become Christians, you can't just do it on your own. Neither one. It's done to you. Paul talks about this in Ephesians, that God chooses you and he puts himself in you, and He recreates you because He predestined you to be Himself. In love, in love, you are the fruit of the Spirit. And so we build on that. Build on that, right? Amen? We also sing in Easter, up from the grave He arose with a mighty triumph o'er His foes. He's the victor of a dark domain. He lives forever with His saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, he arose. That's your resurrection power today. Amen.